So I came across a quote this week that I really like. Uh, It's by an author by the name of Dave Willis. And Dave Willis and his wife Ashley write books about relationships. Uh, I've actually done a a sermon series based on one of his books before. Uh, But I I saw this quote this week about the quarantine and, and what we're going through. And this is what he said. He said, we are facing a a defining time for marriages. No couple will emerge from this the same as they were before. You'll either emerge from this crisis stronger by leaning on each other or weaker by fighting with each other. Do you feel that? Did you hear what he said? And do you feel it? I, I, I feel like there are some of you out there who know exactly what he's talking about. Some of you in your relationships, and it doesn't matter if it's your marriage, uh, it could be your relationship with your kids, could be your relationship with your siblings, could be your relationship with your parents, that, that those relationships, that if they were in trouble before the quarantine, they're, they're probably in even worse trouble now. Uh, because uh, we use different ways to escape from one another outside of our homes, and then all of a sudden you thrust this group of people together who've been trying to get away from each other, and now all of a sudden they're cooped up together for six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks. And those issues and problems that we don't want to deal with are exacerbated, and we cannot uh, avoid them any longer. And so if, if you haven't been leaning into each other, if you haven't been leaning into one another in the quarantine and instead of turn to fighting with each other, instead of fighting for each other, then the issues and problems are probably worse now than they were before the quarantine happened. So I want to talk with you today a little bit about relationships. Um, we started this series called Contentment in the Quarantine several weeks ago, and we've looked at four different Uh, aspects. We're looking at four different aspects of the quarantine and how we can be content even in the midst of this quarantine. And this series is based on a verse, a couple verses from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. And the apostle Paul wrote these words to the church at Philippi. He said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And he's talking about Jesus. That when it comes to being content, we need the very strength that Christ provides in order to do just that. So we've looked at three different areas of being content so far, and the fourth one is tonight. Uh, The first area we talked about was being content in both the good and the bad. And we looked at a story from the life of Job and, and saw how the Old Testament man Job uh, was someone who had learned the secret of being content. Uh, he had a lot of possessions and he had a lot of family. Uh, he had a lot of wealth and a lot of uh, cattle and land. And it was all taken away from him. It was all taken away in just a very short amount of time. Even his own health suffered and he suffered terrible sores all over his body. And when he was, his wife t- said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, shall we, not only, shall we only accept good from the Lord and not trouble? And, and he said, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. I will still praise the name of the Lord. That is called being content. Being able to praise God 
even in the midst of both the good and the bad. A couple weeks ago, we talked about being content with our daily bread and learning how God provides for our needs each and every day and how we can be content with what he provides. So whether we're living high on the hog or living underneath it, we need to learn to be content with what God provides, to not worry about tomorrow, but instead focus on today and the ways that God provides today. And God will provide. He has in the past. He is doing so now, and he will continue to do so in the future. We have to trust him. Last week, we talked about being content with what God says about you. And we hear lots of voices in our world, voices that tell us that you're no good, and that, or, or voices that say that you'll never measure up, voices that say uh, you're, you're worthless and you don't have any value. Well, that's not what God says about you. God says that you are his choice. God says that you are his creation. God says that you are his child. And so we talked about that last week. All of our sermons are available on our Vimeo page at vimeo.com slash griffithfcc. If you missed any of the previous ones, you can go back and watch those. You can also watch the replays of our services uh, since we started live streaming about seven weeks ago. Uh, so we encourage you to go back and check out those. You can uh, go to vimeo.com slash griffithfcc and find the live streams of all of our services there as well. Tonight, oh, next week, sorry, next week we're going to start a brand new series called Unleashed. And it's a week by week, chapter by chapter study of the book of Acts. And so we're going to start that next week. And we're going to go all the way to the, just about till Christmas time, uh, studying the book of Acts one week, uh, one chapter, one week at a time. Uh, and we're going to see how the, the early church did church and how that applies to us in the 21st century. So we're going to take first century principles of church and apply them to church in the 21st century. And we're going to see how God unleashed his people to change the world. And I believe that even in the midst of this pandemic and even in the midst of this quarantine, that God is about to do something incredible in, in his church, that he is about to do, uh, to unleash his church once again. I think people are going to be primed and ready to hear about a message of hope and a message of love and how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that's where we're going starting next week, a 28-week series on the book of Acts. Uh, and we're going to go through all the way just about till Christmas time and, and uh, then we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus. But that's way in the future. It's got to warm up first before it can get cold again. Um, so uh, tonight we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is a, a, a passage of scripture that a lot of people know. Uh, it gets read at weddings, um, it's, it gets put into uh, greeting cards around Valentine's Day. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 8, and that's where we're going to be here in just a second. But I want to talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians 12 for just a moment. In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, spiritual gifts. And these are gifts that are given to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in him by believing in him and turning away from sin and repentance, confessing our faith and getting baptized, we are filled with God's Holy Spirit, filled to the brim with the Spirit of God. And God, when he fills you with his Spirit, gives you gifts, spiritual gifts, in order to be used to spread the word, to spread the good news, uh, to build up and edify the body, and to glorify Jesus Christ. 
So God gives you a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts to be used in his service for his kingdom. For example, my spiritual gift is a gift of preaching. And some of you are thinking, no, it's not. No, really it is. I've taken tests and it all, they all say that I'm supposed to be a preacher. So 23 years I've been doing this and, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And some of you are thinking, please stop. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I know you're not thinking that. At least I hope you're not. Um, so uh, when you get baptized, uh, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're given a spiritual gift or gifts, and those gifts are to be used for God's kingdom. Now, Paul says those gifts are great in chapter 12. But then he says at the very end of chapter 12, verse 31, uh, it says this, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all, that the spiritual gifts are great, but there's an even better way to live. And then he goes to what we call the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, look at verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men or, or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and the ancient Greek word for love is the word agape. It means an unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love. And that's the kind of love that Paul's talking about, this unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love. You can have all kinds of gifts. You can get up and preach all kinds of great sermons. You can teach all kinds of Bible studies. You can play guitar and lead all kinds of worship songs. You can hold a microphone and sing uh, with a beautiful voice. You can play an instrument. You can volunteer uh, uh, as a greeter. You can volunteer uh, as, a, a, as a teacher. You can volunteer uh, at the ministry center. But if you don't have love, it doesn't count. You can have great faith. You can have a deep faith in Jesus. You can believe in God for all of your needs. But if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. In fact, the Apostle Paul told the, the church at Galatia, he told the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Nothing else matters. Nothing else counts. You can have this deep, incredible faith, but if you don't have love, it doesn't count. Paul then goes on to give us 16 traits, 16 traits of what love is and what love does and what love does not do. And I want to zip through these really quick. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse 4. Paul says it's about love. He says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. So those are the first five characteristics of love. Love is patient. The ancient Greek word there for patient means long-suffering. And some of you are thinking, you know what? I've been in the quarantine for seven, eight weeks now, and I know all about suffering for a long time. No, you, you're, you're not. You're not suffering as much as you think you are. Love is patient. You know, I think Paul put this one first because it's the hardest 
And, and I was in line at the grocery store today. I went to a grocery store. And I, I went in and, and I, I got my groceries. And I went to get in the line. And I walked up by the, the counters where the, the, the checkout lanes are. And I looked. And there's a line. And then I looked this way. And the line went on and on and on. Almost to the back of the store. I waited in line for 71 minutes. The miraculous thing is that my vegetarian corn dogs didn't melt. 71 minutes I waited in line. And we were talking to one another in line about learning about patience. And this was a way of learning about patience. Standing in the clothing section at a grocery store waiting for the line to move. 71 minutes. Love is patient. Patience is hard. Love is kind. Uh, meaning that love is, is intentional kindness. It's not just a random act of kindness. It's not just, a, oh, you're going to do something nice for somebody. It is intentional kindness that the people in your home, whether it's your, your parents or your kids, uh, it could be your spouse, uh, your significant other, um, could be your grandparents, whoever's in your house that you've been cooped up with for six, seven, eight weeks and maybe cooped up with for another few more weeks, those people need your kindness and they need intentional kindness not just accidental kindness but intentional kindness doing intentionally good things for the people with whom you live then paul says what love doesn't do love does not envy it's not jealous love does not boast it does not brag about itself love does not brag about how great it is because what happens when we boast and brag is that we start to think that we deserve better. I am such a great person. I'm, I'm the best husband. Therefore, I deserve to be treated better. I'm the best child. Therefore, I have a en sense of entitlement to all these different things. I am the best spouse. I'm the best wife. So therefore, I should be treated better. It is this a sense of entitlement that comes from this overinflated sense of self. That when we boast about how great we are and we start to believe our own press, we start to believe how great we are, that we start to fall into this trap of boasting and this sense of entitlement, this sense of deserving better. Love is not proud, it is not arrogant. Love does not look at somebody else and say, I'm better than you. Love does not look at your neighbor and say, I'm better than you. Love does not look at your spouse and say, I'm better than you. Love does not look at your children and say, I'm better than you. Love does not look at your parents and say, I'm better than you. Love is not proud or arrogant. Look at verse 5. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not dishonor others. In other words, it's not rude. How many times have you seen somebody be rude to someone they love? Whether it's they're, they're rude to their kids at the grocery store, or they're rude to their spouse in public, or their kids are rude to their parents. Never seen that before, have you? Love is not rude. It does not dishonor or put down other people. Love is not 
self-seeking. In other words, it's the opposite. Love, unconditional love is the opposite of self-seeking. It is others promoting. It is not self-seeking. It is others promoting. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the apostle Paul wrote this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's putting others before yourself. Love is not self-seeking. Love is others promoting. Love is not easily angered, he says. It's not easily angered. Now, wait a minute. If you're like me, you may have a bit of a short temper sometimes. You may get a little hot under the collar. You may get a little bit fired up. You may blow your top from time to time. You may lose your, lose your temper and lose your cool. I, I've done it before. Maybe you have too. That's not what love does. Love is not easily angered. No, love is patient. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Well, we're good at that, aren't we? Somebody wrongs us. And we just kind of take a mental note and just say, okay. Not going to let that one go for a while. We need to have a frozen moment. You need to be like Anna. You need to be like Elsa. You need to let it go. Love keeps no record of wrongs. No record. In other words, love forgives. Because when you don't forgive, it leads to resentment. And resentment leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to division. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Verses 6 and 7. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love does not delight in evil, Paul says. And there's a reason for that, because love is not evil. In the book of 1 John, John wrote that God is love, that God is the very definition of love, the very definition of unconditional love. And so if God is love and God is not evil, then love cannot partake in evil. Love is not evil because God is not evil, and love does not delight in evil, he says, but he, it rejoices with the truth. Love is honest. And love is in, has integrity. Love is honest. Love tells the truth. Love does not lie. So don't lie to the people you love. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Be honest with one another. He says that love always protects. In other words, it defends the honor of another. Love always trusts which means that you have to be trustworthy and you have to trust others. Love always hopes. Love believes that there's a better, that better is on the way. And love always perseveres. In other words, love keeps going. That when, when the going gets rough, love keeps going. When things get tough, love keeps going. When life gets hard, love keeps going. Love perseveres. Even in the hard times, even in the difficult times, even in the hard days, even in the quarantine, love always perseveres. And finally, in verse 8, the Apostle Paul simply says, love never fails.
In other words, love doesn't give up. And neither should you. You want to know why? Oh, you may be ready to throw in the towel. You, you've been living in the quarantine for six, seven, eight weeks. You know, you've been home with one another. You're pulling your hair out. You're ready to, you're, you're at the end of your rope. You're at your wit's end, and you're ready to just chuck it all and throw in the towel and say, forget it, I'm done, I'm out. I can't handle this anymore. I can't take this anymore. Here's the thing. Don't give up on love because love won't give up on you. The way I know that is because God is love and God won't give up on you. Don't give up on those God loves because God loves you and he won't give up on you. God won't give up on you. Never has, never will. God will never fail. And love will never fail. So don't give up on love. Don't give up on those you love. You may be tempted to give up on your kids. Oh, they're just lazy and irresponsible and, and they just, they're not helping around the house. They're not doing their schoolwork. I'm, I'm done. I don't care what they do anymore. No, 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 no. Don't give up on your kids. You may be tempted. Kids, you may be tempted to give up on your parents. I'm done. I've had it. I'm out. When I turn 18, hit the door. I'm never looking back. Don't give up on your parents. You may be giving up on your wife. She, she just, she's not the woman that I married, and, and I just I don't love her anymore, and, and I'm just sick and tired of, of, of this relationship. Or you may be giving up on your husband, saying, I, I, I'm done, I've, I've had it, he's hurt me too much, and, and I, I'm just not happy anymore, and I'm out of here. Don't give up on love. Don't give up on those relationships because God has never given up on you. He's never failed you, even though you may have failed him countless times. Don't give up. Don't give up on love. Don't give up on your loved ones. I've got two challenges for you before I close today. The first challenge is this. Simply be kind. Be kind. Like I said earlier, it's intentional kindness. Do something loving for someone in your life this week. And, and think about it. Be, be intentional about it. Be kind to the people with whom you are quarantined. So if you're, if you're having a hard time with your spouse, do something nice for them. And you're like, this is the last thing I want to do. No, 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 no. Try it. Go out of your way to do something that you know that they would like. See if that doesn't change your heart as well as change them. Do something kind for someone in your house this week. Do something kind for your kids without expecting anything in return. Oh, I'll do something nice for you if you do the dishes. No, 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 no. Unconditional, unlimited, unselfish love does un unlimited, unconditional, kind things. So show some kindness to the people in your house this week. Pick one person to do something kind for, intentionally. Think about it, pray about it, do it. Second challenge is for those of you who are thinking about giving up, and that is seek 
help. If, if you've been having issues, if you've been having problems going on for, for quite some time, seek some outside help, some professional outside help. If you've got major issues in your relationship, I want you to reach out to us at the office. Uh, send an email to office at gfcc.net. That's the email address, office at gfcc.net. And just say, I would like some information some, about some resources that can help me uh, in my relationship. And we will get back to you uh, really, really quickly uh, to let you know about uh, some resources that we can put you in touch with that, will, that can really help you in your relationship. Um, we... we we really, really, we would really, really hate for uh, somebody to give up on a relationship when there's still so much hope and potential. So if, if you're having struggles in your homes through the quarantine, again, the, the quarantine hasn't helped anything. It's actually made things worse. Reach out to us at the office, office at gfcc.net. Email us and say, I'd just like some help. Uh, point me in the right direction, and we will get that to you right away. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a... a a difficult season for many of us. It's been a difficult season being in the quarantine. It's been a difficult season being away from our church family. Been, maybe it's been a difficult season for you being away from your connection group. Maybe it's been a difficult season uh, for all of us that we haven't been able to get out of the house as much as we'd like. But we're almost there. We're, oh, we're, we're, it's coming soon. We're going to be into the next season of life. Don't give up on the people that God put in your life to do life with. Instead, keep going. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love always trusts. Always hopes there's a better day ahead. And it always perseveres. Because love never fails. And when we understand that, when we grasp that, how love never fails, we will learn to be content. Even in the midst of the quarantine. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for the gift of love and that you are the very definition of love and that you sent your son Jesus to be our savior, our Lord, our friend, our example of what love looks like. And so I pray for my friends out there tonight who may be struggling in their relationships, who may be struggling or with their marriages, or with their kids, or with their parents, with their grandparents, their grandkids, their sisters, their brothers. Lord, you see all these relationships, and you brought us into one another's lives for a reason, for a purpose. Help us, God, to show love, that unconditional, unlimited, unselfish love this week. Help me to show that unconditional, unlimited, unselfish love this week, to do something kind, to do something loving, to be patient and faithful and trustworthy and trusting. Help us to look more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. <laughs>